It's what we'll talk about actually in the the in the text today, um, in the sermon, the, that uh, we rejoice with those that rejoice and we weep with those that weep. And Mother's Day is one of those days that maybe as a pastor you get a neat, unique perspective because there are some people who don't show up at church on Mother's Day because it's such a painful day. Uh, whether because they lost their mother or their relationship with their mother is strained or they weren't able to become a mother and they wanted to be, it, it brings more pain and joy for them. So we, we, we lament that and we weep with those that weep. But we also rejoice that those that rejoice in terms of how they celebrate, how we can celebrate this day as well. So it's a great opportunity to be the church. That the, the Spirit um, empowers us, as we'll see, to really care for all, no matter where they are, how high or how low, how far or how near. Um, it, but Mother's Day also is a great day to talk about the Holy Spirit as we're in this journey of getting to know the, the Holy Spirit. Because the, the Holy Spirit's the one who gives life. The Holy Spirit's the one who gives birth, um, physically and spiritually. And if you look at the cover of the, the bulletin, it get, outlines the, the services and the themes that we've been looking at in terms of getting to know the Holy Spirit. And the first one is about how the, the Spirit's one that breathes life into all of creation. The Spirit is life. And so everyone who has breath can praise the Lord because that breath is a gift and a work of the Holy Spirit. And in just last Sundays, we looked at John 3 and Jesus interacting with Nicodemus where Jesus talked about being born from above or being born again, that it's the Holy Spirit who initiates and causes that birth. For anyone who is in Jesus Christ, that is because they have been born from above, born again, born by the Holy Spirit that gives birth to that relationship, that living relationship with the living God. And what we'll look at today is how the, the one who has given us birth physically and, and spiritually now is nurturing us, empowering us to look more and more like Jesus Again, you think about mothers, uh, fathers, our parents, our guardians, those who nurtured us um, uh, uh, as we were growing up. Um, I know, but with parents, the analogy fails in that because there's some good stuff and some not so good stuff that we get from our parents. My my kids generally decry. Um, uh, they, they, they complain and moan and lament that they have a big forehead. Uh, that's a bad thing these days to have a big forehead. And so they blame me for that. Um, uh, but there's other much worse things that I'm afraid I see in them as I've passed on my own pathology to them as well. But I remember like with my parents, you know, the, the one thing I remember growing up, maybe y'all had that same experience that they would tell me that I was never going to say. And I still remember with horror the first time that I said, told my kids, because I said so. Because I can remember hearing that from my parents and saying, I'm never going to say that to my kids. But somehow it gets in there. You know, somehow we're formed, you know, by our parents. But today what we see in the Holy Spirit in this journey and the, the power of the Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power of life that gives life 
at, at the very creation is the power at work in us to form us, to mature us, to be all that God's created us to be, to, that, that we cooperate in obedience to the Spirit, empowered as a community, as a people, to be who we are. We are the body of Christ. And He empowers us. And this, I think, is a greater miracle than raising even from the dead. <laughs> that He takes people like us and makes us together to be the body of Christ. To be a people of love, of gentleness, of goodness. That's the power of the Spirit that we'll look at today. Um, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting uh, um, with verse 1. It's on page 933 in your pew Bible. You can follow along there or you can follow along on the screen or whatever form you have the Bible in. You're free to read it in that form. Um, let's pray. Uh, gracious God, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for the that you have given birth to us, not only to our bodies, but to our souls, um, to know you and to walk with you and to be in relationship with you, to even the, the very gift of faith that we trust in you, to, to, to sing with meaning what we just sang, that you, Jesus, are Lord of all. So uh, teach us, uh, mold us, um, speak to us, uh, convict us where we need to be convicted and comfort us where we need to be comforted. Um, so that we might truly be who you have formed us to be, who we've created to be, who we are destined to be. And that is the body of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to um, just walk, I'm going to read through verse 27. But what I'm going to do to this this service is just read a section and then talk about it and read a section and talk about it. Um, that uh, I think that will work um, better. This is because it's long. It goes through verse 27. Um, but for, for many of you, you may be familiar, I mean, this is a, a passage of, there Paul's talking to the church of Corinth about spiritual gifts. And one, one thing, just a little aside is, you know, I mean, gifts is the word that he uses, but we'll also see the word that he uses is manifestations. You know, manifestations of the Spirit. Um, ways that the, the Spirit shows Himself through us. Sometimes gifts are good because it's something that, that, the Spirit gives to us. It's not something we deserve to earn, but it's a gift, and it's a, it gives different gifts to, to different people. But uh, um, sometimes we think, well, okay, Spirit, give me that gift, and then I go do it on my own. That, that's not you know, the idea. The, the idea is that He's giving that gift to us, but He's giving that gift as He's living in us. It's a manifestation of Him being in us. It's ways that we are conformed to the Spirit of God within us. So, so uh, pick up John uh, or First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, verse one. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, "Let Jesus be cursed." 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Well, now here's the first sign of power. And again, it's sort of a review from last week. That it's the Spirit who enables us to say, Jesus, you are Lord. What we were just singing. Jesus, you're the one that's in charge. I mean, we don't use Lord very much today. But you're the boss. You're, you're the one that's in charge. You're the one that I'm going to obey. And what I'm going to listen to. And I'm going to, I'm going to do what you say more than what anybody else says. More than even what I say. I mean, it, it, it is a radical change of direction that we use the word repentance for. That, I, that to change my direction. To change my very mind. And, and that only happens by the power of the Spirit that we deny ourselves, as Jesus said, that we put ourselves aside in order to follow after the ways of Jesus. And that was really radical in Jesus' day, in Paul's day, in Corinth, because in those days Caesar was Lord. And, and it was illegal to say anybody else was Lord but Caesar. And, and if you, if you were heard saying that somebody else was Lord, then there was grounds to off with your head or throw you in jail for a little while. I mean, so it's not just a easy thing to say, and especially in that day, and it's certainly not an easy thing to do. And if we're, we're, we're truly living in obedience to the Spirit of God, that is an act of the Spirit of God within us. <laughs> because we don't have the capacity and the ability to, to do that. So the first sign of the power, uh, how the, how the uh, Spirit empowers the church is that He's the one that calls the church together. He forms us. He's given us the gift of faith even to say Jesus is Lord. And that is the definition of the church. The group of people who are called together to follow Jesus as Lord. To, to encourage, support, challenge one another to be Jesus followers and to invite others to do the same. So that's the first power of the Spirit. And it's important, too, to recognize that in Corinth because in, in Corinth, what they were making a big deal about the supernatural gifts. You know, gifts like, um, maybe familiar, you know, they're gifts like people will speak in tongues. They'll speak in uh, sometimes a language that they don't know, but other people will know, and they'll hear it and understand it, and it's a miracle of God. Um, or there's other times where they're caught up in a spiritual ecstasy, and they will speak in a language that's unintelligible, but it's like a personal spiritual language that's speaking even what they don't understand, but it's what they're feeling. You know, and that that will is is a gift um, as well. Well, those were big deals because they were you know super spiritual kind of thing. And Paul's the whole point in really twelve through fourteen is trying to correct that. So that's wrong. Yeah, those things happen. Yeah, the Spirit does that. Um, Spirit does those kind of things. Yeah, He brings healings, and those are uh, powerful as well. There's their supernatural gifts. That's part of the power. But even more so. The, the first thing the Spirit does, the greatest act of the Spirit, is that He changes people's hearts from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh to follow after Jesus. That is the power of the Spirit. Then, not only did He call them together, then He calls people from all types now to be one. The second thing, the power of the Spirit, is that now all these different people who are following Jesus are now unified in God. Uh, verse 4. And here, this, as he goes back and forth, you know, variety, 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 different, different, different to each one, but the same God, the same Spirit, the one Spirit. He'll say it over and over. 
Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. So unified in the Spirit, it's the same Spirit that is in each one of us that draws us together, that gives each one different gifts, different abilities, and even beyond that, different stories, different histories, different preferences, different um, uh, commitments. That, that all come together unified in Jesus Christ because the same Spirit that's in me is the same Spirit that is in you and the same Spirit in the person next to you, to your right, to your left, and in front and in back if they too are followers of Jesus. Yeah, this is a good place to stop and reflect on the ways that we let other spirits, small s, be our unifying force. Sometimes it's politics. We have different political commitments, and those can be great and strong and powerful, but it is a sin if they separate me from another follower of Jesus. That's denying our unity in the Spirit. They they may be different. They may be diametrically different. But if we are followers of Jesus together, then we have the same Spirit of God, and that Spirit is greater than the Spirit of any other. We can have different degrees of niceness, different degrees of definition of what it means to be nice. We can have different personality types, different values. We can have different emphasis in our lives. Some of us may be loud. Some of us may be quiet. Some of us may be active. Some contemplative. Some may pray and then do. Others may do and then pray. But there is no place for jealousy. No place for a sense of superiority. No place for a sense of inferiority. If we are seeking with one another to follow Jesus together. So it's a a good time to... Because who we are is unified in Jesus. That's who we are. That's our eternal destiny. That's what the Spirit's going to do whether we like it or not. So our journey now for that spirit, the power of the spirit to, to really surrender. I mean, it takes real surrender as we were just singing. Surrender at times to be unified in Jesus with people that we don't understand. Or the plain and simple we don't like. Is the power of the Holy Spirit greater than my preferences and your preference? And notice, too, that the, the, I think one of the things that gets in the way is we forget the manifestation of these gifts, of the way that the Spirit has gifted us uniquely, are for the common good. 
You know, they're for the good of the community, they're for the good of the church, they're for the good of our city, they're for the common good. They are not so that for me or for you, it's not individual. It is for the body, it's for the benefit of others. That's part of the reason I like the, the term the manifestations of the Spirit because that means it's the Spirit working in me and in you and that's the same Spirit, so therefore we are together. That, that's the power of the Spirit to unify us. Now, let me uh, just... Um, you know, we can also grieve the Holy Spirit. That's in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 30 and a couple of passages after that. And, and it's... Uh, um, and one, there's a couple things about that, you know, grieving the Holy Spirit. That, that's a notion that the Holy Spirit isn't, again, some impersonal force, but is God, is, is um, a, a person of the triune God. Um, and so he can grieve. The Spirit can grieve, be saddened. But what grieves the Holy Spirit? Well, it's really interesting. If you just keep reading in Ephesians 4, you'll see what grieves the Holy Spirit is a lot more, it's a lot about relationships. It's a lot about us being unified and not divided if we are one in Jesus. This is what Paul says. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. It's our division from others. Whether it's caused by anger, and it's not saying that there's not good reason to be angry, or good good reason to be bitter, good reason to have negative thoughts towards another. But that's not what controls us. There's no place for slander. You know, don't don't talk about me. Talk to me. Whenever you find yourself talking about another person negatively with another, if the object isn't so that now you can go engage with that person, that's called gossip. Even if you couch it in the term of a prayer request, doesn't matter. Slander. The Spirit of God is grieved. So it's His power then that says, Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's not belittling, it's not denying whatever the pain, whatever the difference, whatever the struggle might be, or whatever it might be. If that is causing separation between you and a brother and sister in Christ, it's the Spirit who says, now let's be tender, let's be kind, let's be forgiving. Now that's not something that just happens. That takes effort, that takes work of living into being the people that God has already made us to be. It's not like we're attaining who, this is who God has made us. We are the body of Christ. This is a a, a place of confession, of receiving His forgiveness and giving it to one another. I think that's, for that to be what really makes a community is greater even than the resurrection from the dead. For a group of people to be able to live into that. Forgiveness. Kindness and tenderness. Free from bitterness, wrath, anger, and slander. That's the power of the Spirit to make us one. To unify us. Alright, then 12 through 14, we'll see how here the, the power makes us truly equal. 
The power of the Spirit makes us equal with one another. For just as the body is one, verse 12, and is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. All right, now you see the sandwich here? Um, the one spirit sandwich, the one spirit. We're baptized in one spirit. We drink of one spirit, you know, so we, we are dunked in one spirit. We, we are started in the faith. We're baptized in the spirit, the beginning of our faith, and we drink of the spirit. He in, strengthens us, enables us at the table. That he, that in, in communion, we are one, but the, the, those, that's the bread. And the sandwich is whether you're Jew or Greek or slave or free. Whether you are inside or whether you are outside. The Jews were the ethnicity, the race of people that were on the inside. The, the, the Greeks were the race of people, the ethnicity of people that were on the outside. Or whether you're at the top, you're the free, or whether you're at the bottom, you were the slaves. All of those distinctions are destroyed by the Spirit when He brings us together as one. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Whether it's race, ethnicity, social status, whatever. The, the, we are always, you know, and the world is regularly putting us in, in certain uh, um, uh, scorecards as to who's winning or who's losing, who's at the top, who's on the in, who's on the out. And the Spirit says that that gets wiped away when you come together in Jesus. Now again, I have a place of, of confession there. That the, 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 the Christian church hasn't done a great job of living into that reality of who the Spirit has made us. We, we tend to birds of a feather flock together, whether it's according to ethnicity or race or economics or educational level. I'm afraid that's a sin. It's a denial of the power of the Holy Spirit. When when that becomes our organizing force instead of the Spirit. Now, that's our, our one of our pursuits here is to intentionally pursue being connected in Jesus no matter our differences. Because we, we believe that's what the, the gifts are here for. That's the manifestation of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit is to, to bring us together and do the hard work of forgiveness and gentleness and kindness and oppose the ways of the world that want to separate us. The power of the Spirit makes us truly equal. No matter what we feel or no matter what the scorecards of the world might say. And then, then finally, the, the last part of the passage, a longer section here, but this is where the power then takes these unique individuals united in Jesus, equal in Jesus, and enables us truly in the power to love one another. To love one another like Jesus loves us. To love our neighbors as ourselves. Indeed, the body, verse 14, indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members and the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with the greatest, greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior members, that there may be no dissension within the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers... All suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Just just unpack just a little bit. because There's a lot in there. You probably get the part. Yeah, if the eye says to the ear, I don't need you. Then, you know, that messed up. The hand says to the foot, no, you, you need one another. But what's this part here about members that seem to be weaker or indispensable? Well, he's taking this illustration of the body and, and how it would be seen in the first century and living that out. I mean, so the obvious parts, hands and ears and uh, uh, hands and feet and eyes and ears. You know, he talks about those that you, you need all of those. Um, the, the, the weaker parts are your internal organs. The part that has to be covered and protected by bone and muscle that can't they can't survive outside. The body, but really, you can't survive. The body can't survive without them. So that's that's the weaker, um, the weaker parts of the body, and then the parts that are less respectable. Those parts, the parts with less honor. That he's talking about the sexual organs. Yeah, those those parts, you know, we're we're shy about. You know, we are they're less respectable. So that's why that we give them greater honor. He says by covering them. And his whole point in all of that is there's different members, different values, some with higher respect, lower respect, some uh, more significant than others, but all now are equal so that everyone gets the same care. That we're able to rejoice with those that rejoice and to weep with those that weep, to suffer with those who suffer. That's what true community is. And that's love. That's care. And that's, that's a work of the Spirit. Because I can tell you right now, left to my own devices, I don't really want to enter into your suffering. I got enough. That's selfish. That's the way of me. That's not the way of Jesus. And I got a feeling you probably don't want to enter into mine or the persons uh, next to you. But true community enters into the suffering and the joy of another. That's what true community is. And that's the power of the Spirit to do that within us. It's one of the reasons we have the, the Kenyan bar exhibit in the atrium. 
You know, telling the story of, of our, our history as a, a city. Just say, hey, you know, here's, here's a situation where a neighborhood was, was totally destroyed, um, for, you know, stuff that was good, good stuff that was going on in the neighborhood, but look at what it did to them. We can make a big deal and rejoice about the, the Queen's Gate and the industrial park and then the interstates coming through and the, the good that those did, but we can forget the suffering that it caused of others that maybe were Weaker parts of the body that didn't have the voice. And so we, we lift up those stories as well, which we will do on the 30th, on May 30th, where some of the folks who live in College Hill, who, whose families moved here because of the actions taken that destroyed their original home, they moved here because of that to share their story. To empathize, to hear, to lament, to suffer with those who've suffered. So that there can be healing. So that there can be community and actions to say, man, we don't want that to happen. We want all to rejoice together. How do we all rejoice together as, as a city, as a neighborhood, as a community? It's the work of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit that is at work in us to love, to, to give equal value to one another, to love our neighbor as ourself. It's the power of the Spirit in you and in me drawing us together to be a community that looks more and more like Jesus, to be who we are, the body of Christ. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together.